Podcasting from an undisclosed location, um, a future is out black site <laughs> somewhere on the western half of the North American continent. That's all I'm at liberty to disclose. Um, I may have to change locations um, in the middle of this broadcast because I am being hunted, and I have good reason to believe. Oh God! All right, I think I'm safe. Here? I have reason to believe. No, I. No, I think we're okay for now. Um, but uh, let's get this information to the people as quickly as we can. Nonetheless, yeah, how are listener, you, Yeah, in less than, twice in less than, what, a month and a half, we've had to uh, kind of skirt the authorities just for you, so. They're closing in on us. Um, there may be a rat in our organization. Um, and given that it's just me and Mac and Ray. Well, looks like mm, it's true. Um Jonah, before we start and go through, do you want to give the listeners a quick recap of, you know, what our shindig is here, what we do on the future is out? Oh, yeah. Right. All the all our new listeners that are <laughs> flocking to the podcast. Um, yeah, this is the future is out. Um, sort of a, in a, to put it in a pithy phrase, a sort of techno-pessimist podcast, um, <laughs> as opposed to the sort of techno-optimism that we uh, imbibe. I mean, frankly, there's a lot of techno-pessimism out there. It's not really novel. Yeah. But I, what we try to do is use um, Mac's um, professional uh, and, uh, you know, uh, insider knowledge and um, hard-won hard intelligence. Yeah, Mac is actually a, a, an android. Um, so we ask him what it's like and if he dreams of electric sheep. Um He's doing the robot right now. It's chilling stuff, actually. I hate when he does that. Um, but yeah, so we do, we we do sort of cast a jaundiced eye on um, Silicon Valley surveillance, in particular, the ways in which privacy and you know the sort of moment to oneself, this sort of uh, fleeting caprice of uh, you know just a day in the life of on, here on Spaceship Earth is every day you know, shrinking and being uh, cubed and quantified and packaged for sale to our uh, advertisers and digital overlords. Ah! Ah! <laughs> ah! How about, how's that owl for you, fellas? <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty bad, right? Um, but don't worry, because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, and there's uh, um, always reason for hope. Um, you know, as Gandalf once said, uh, First light of the third day. Look to the east. Gandalf and, also uh, famously said, run, you fools. So Yeah. He, actually he said fly, you uh, fools, fly. Mac. Okay. No wonder. You would never <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't make it a day in bar trivia. <laughs> um all right, but enough of that. 
I have a, I am being hunted after all. Um, and I have to probably change safe houses before too long. Um, although I will say, Mac, you're in a new apartment and it looks spiffy. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been um, it's been a whirlwind to get here, but I'm no longer in the future Zhao bunker. I'm in the future Zhao um, timeshare. So it's a yeah improvement. <laughs> the future. <laughs> The future and out the future is our bunker was hit with what's known as a a, a bunker buster um, ordinance um, that penetrated uh, half a mile into the earth and incinerated uh, pretty much everything that was there except uh, except for me Mac and Ray. Yeah, producer Ray made it out, so no worries there. Um, everything is everything is fine and dandy. Yeah, but um, I will also say to end this this preamble. Uh, if you notice any irregularities, it is because this is the first time, just to put it plainly and explicitly, that we are recording the futures out remotely. Um, normally, me and Mac are uh, cheek to jowl in the bunker, and now we're absolutely mediated through digital space, um, which in a way seems sounds sort of fitting. Wouldn't you say? I think so. And I think, you know, listeners of our one of our last podcasts will know we talked about the, you know, growing trend of people doing multiple full-time jobs because they can do it right. remotely. And I think, uh, I'm not going to speak for you, Jonah, but I'd imagine you're on three different podcasts right now at the same time, right? Like, Yeah, I'm using this audio. I'm going to be... <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, if you see me, if you hear me speaking extremely vaguely um, <laughs> or saying things that don't really make any sense in context, it's because I have to use this audio for two other podcasts. Um, it's like and yeah so and the drills has, they're really good when they move in yeah. the clockwise direction yeah that's the thing about crankshafts uh <laughs> at high temperatures um you do tend to get some malfunction anyway uh moving on um anyway moving on uh no my my attention is only on you dear futures out listener you you can i can assure you of that um so what do you say, Max? Shall we get into the meat and potatoes today? Yeah, meat, maybe a meat little... potatoes and uh, and and rodents, as it were. Indeed. Um, yeah, something light, a little amuse bouche um, to start off. If you well, if you're paying attention um, today, which is a Wednesday, uh, October sixth, Bitcoin had a nice fat rally. Um, I think it's up like. Uh, 20% or more, 25% from what it was. Yeah, so a bunch of people are, a bunch of, uh, you know, little crypto teens are clapping their flippers uh, and barking like seals over that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, the crypto thing, we've, ta- we've touched on it before, El Salvador, volcano, mining, all the rest. But um, in light of all this, you know, institutional players have gotten in um, sort of like into the into the crypto game. I mean, that's pretty much old news. But there was something I came across um, recently, which is that there's like a German YouTuber who has a hamster named Mr. Gox, and he basically like set up a um, um, like a little cage for him that basically he runs on a wheel, and the wheel, by merit of its spinning, determines when it stops. Like sort of like Wheel of Fortune, what coin? Um, that Mr. Gox will be trading. And then when he leaves the wheel, he goes through one of two tubes in his enclosure, and that determines whether he buys or sells. Um, And 
with that system in place, he's outperformed the S&P 500 in crypto trading by 16%. Uh, or no, by like 300%. Because his gains, like if you were investing with this hamster and you invested $100,000, you would have $116,000 today. Whereas the S&P 500 has only seen gains of about 4% over the same period. So how so, much of that is like due to the volatility of like bitcoin though that like or the cryptocurrencies that like they happen a lot of it (laughs) i think a lot of it is yeah but it's just like literally unless you unless you do lend credence to the fact that this hamster um has like some profound understanding of um markets in the blockchain um which is i suppose possible he is german after all uh they're very smart um it does seem like just absolute random flipping a coin more or less is like four, eight, 12, 16, four times more effective for your money than like going with the S and standard and poor 500, like, um, largest indexes in the world that are supposedly like, you know, the safe standard bet, um, when it comes to trading and securities and futures and all the rest. Yeah. Until um, it, until it falls though. I guess that's the point is that like, you know, well, you certainly. get that 4%, but the 4% is pretty consistent, you know, across the board. Dude, you can follow, You can go watch Mr. Gox's Twitch stream. He, I don't think he's failed yet. I mean, in the in that, he's been he's been really cranking out gains. Um, so we'll maybe we'll keep an eye on him. Um, and if we ever start making money off this, I say we put it. Um, in uh, we retain him as our as our accountant. Yeah, he reminds um, me of that. Do you remember the oct the the World Cup octopus? Yeah, the World Cup <laughs> octopus. <laughs> Yeah, well, octopi are are insanely intelligent. Um, he, that octopus probably was like watching and enjoying soccer, <laughs> and then he got turned into fucking calamari. Or... <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they killed him after he fucked up Brazil's game or some shit. Yeah, but... he got he got that game super wrong. Um, they're like, all right, it's been a good run. Um, well, you know, in the long tradition of making animals do things that they're not supposed to be able to do, um, we can now with Mister with the uh, Ed the horse, that horse that could do arithmetic by oh, banging Klaus. its hoof. Klaus, yeah, yeah, Klaus. Klaus. The, yeah. Oh, wait, he was also German. Wait, was the octopus German? That's a good question. That would if be the insane. octopus was German, the I have to, I have to like go right now. Fantasy <laughs> with um... <laughs> His name was Paul the octopus. Oh, he was English. Okay. Uh, wait! He hasn't... No fucking way! His keepers, okay, Paul the Octopus, was a common octopus used to predict the results of association football matches. His keepers at the Sea Life Center in Oberhausen, Germany. Ah, okay. That's three of... We just discovered something. That's fucking weird. Um, All right, there's something going on here. Um, We're going to put a pin in that. I wasn't (laughs) expecting this to be a thing, but now I'm I'm intrigued. Um, Germany's up to something, folks. Um, okay. Yeah, Germany's on. never doing anything sketchy, you know. In the no, yeah, if there's one thing we know about Germany, it's that left to their own devices, they'll always do the right thing. Um, and nothing, nothing weird. Um, um, okay, can I, one brief tangent also before we move on. Someone was, I was talking, I was talking about this with someone recently. What, you, isn't it weird that, okay, what are like the two kinkiest countries, like if you think about it, that are both... Frog. Or a Czech Republic. Okay, well, that's sort of different, but uh, yeah. Um, 
yeah okay the czech republic but also like who where is tentacle porn invented speaking of octavus japan and like where is like weird pissy pissing and shitting and leather daddy shit like germany all the rage germany the axis okay and it's the literal a it's the axis b it's like two places that have like very the other side of them is like their culture is like stereotypically very straight laced and like conservative so there's clearly like something afoot where like the two like most like kinky weird cultures in modern life are also like the most sort of straight-laced businessy cultures and the former Axis uh, powers. Um, what's up with that? What is up with that? Yeah, I mean, I guess we need to have for our next guest Listeners, episode an evangelical Christian businessman to come on this, the, the pod and tell us about a little bit about his bedroom activities. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, there already are two of those on the podcast. Um, that's right, listener. Um, anyway, okay, moving on for real this time. Um, speaking of, um, um, places of unbridled debauchery, uh, Miami, um, what's the deal with Miami's mayor? What is the deal with Miami's mayor? Okay. So his name is Francis Suarez. Francis Suarez. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm told he seduced Silicon Valley. He looks, he looks like a, like a very sexy, um, succubus he's a good looking man i'll give him that he has a lot yeah. in common with um our other our other friend the Sal- the el salvador's naive uh, bukele yeah yeah um basically he's hotter though i mean like in the short so we're the the reference for this is like new york mag just put out this like it's kind of a profile of him and of miami which has become like sort of um along with austin like the big like kind of exodus hub for like um silicon valley during the pandemic like a lot of um you know, because of like the move to remote work, um, and because of like I don't know, just a lot of different factors, like the old hubs of like San Francisco, where oh no, I can't say that, um, but San Francisco and um, you know Chicago and other like big tech hubs. There's been a big exodus during the pandemic away to like um, cheaper, notably less taxes, and like yeah. um, just different cultural type of cities. And Miami was right up on there. Um, and part of the reason for that was this, um, you know, intrepid kind of looks like me if I did, you know, like a lot of CrossFit and like kind of had only eight, you know, green smoothies and shit. He, um, yeah, you know, was very and into like, the- and like had like three pending alimony yeah. lawsuits <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> against you, um, um, and wore Ferragamo belt buckles, but yeah. Right. But he very quickly kind of saw the opportunity, I guess, like it, during the pandemic of like, you know, attracting a lot of these, you know, disenfranchised libertarian Silicon Valley types and um, basically, um, you know, put out a tweet that they mentioned in the in the story right. early how on. How can I help? Um, yeah, he's like, how can I help? Um, and so that was kind of the impetus of like he's Re- been, and help do what it was like some some. Uh, VC dipshit in San Francisco, whose name I won't try to pronounce, wanted to, uh, you know, move Silicon Valley to Miami, right? Um, and ignite what apparent so what Suarez, the mayor, is calling the Miami movement. Yeah. Um, which, uh, yeah, not what I would necessarily first think of when I thought of what the Miami movement would be. But I mean, I guess your anyone's guess is as good as mine. Um, they get into, I mean, it's funny because they get into this in the story, but it's like, when you think of Miami, I don't know, when I think of Miami, right, I think of, like, you know, like, a lot of, like, 
drugs and partying and like sort of like mm-hmm. you know flashy cars and trash and like um just like kind of gross and grimy yeah. um but also like super glitzy and like kind of where you go to party and do coke and shit um yeah. it's funny because they're like use they had it's that culture that's attracted people but then the people coming are like all like you know, hobbity sort of gross, <laughs> like yeah. fucking coder dudes who are like also like Peter Thiel influence, like libertarian. Yeah. Guys just like little that... homunculus, like <laughs> uh, pale, like, um, yeah, like 194 IQ. Right. Uh, weirdos who but... would like, yeah. Would see a, a woman in like a, in a G string and just like, yeah. <laughs> Have, yeah. a, have a meltdown and a panic attack. I mean, they um, talk about, like, how... Because a lot of, you know, a lot of those, like... You know, internet companies, for lack of a better term, it just have... It's a lot of young men, specifically, who have, like, are flush with cash, right? Like, have yeah. so much money. And, like, in Miami... That's always been an attraction for Miami, but it's never been, like, a tech hub because, you know, one, one of the big things they go into in the story is that, like... One well, like one of the reasons why Silicon Valley is what it is is because like it, it at least like in the past it did kind of make sense because like you know you have fucking Stanford there you have like um all the California universities and there's this pipeline between like the people who are like the you know computer scientists and all this going to like these big companies but in Miami yeah. like there's not there's like really no elite university there's no like sort of like educational like educational attainment there shit and but then you're transplanting these dudes who are essentially just Miami is famously cash. in Florida yeah um the <laughs> state, keep in mind <laughs> the state just a reminder to listeners uh that's where Miami is um uh although not the capital not the of capital Florida, no. which is Mac um St. Petersburg Tallahassee. Tallahassee, you okay. Shit, dude. Damn. You call yourself a southerner. Shows, shows God up. damn it. Dude. Hey, listen, I'm not um, a southerner. I'm from Texas. It's a distinct difference. God uh, bless. Florida's um, also not the south either. Florida's its own thing. Um, um, so, you're, so Florida and Texas are equal is what you're saying? No. They're um, completely different. Uh, all right, you Florida heard has first. been the, cut, the cutthroats and the pirates for since... Uh, and y'all are the bushwhackers and the, and where, the where, where are rent, rancheros. Um, um but anyway, like we'll I think why that. it's interesting. Well, is, okay, it yeah. is. Tr- well, you're saying like, yeah, there's no elite university, there's no real thing. But per this NY Mag article, um, apparently it is like this is happening. I mean, primarily because there's like no, there's just like giving them massive tax breaks um, on the already like pitifully low tax rates in Florida, um, and they do say that deals with. Spotify, Microsoft, Apple, and TikTok that are either signed or in the offing um, in Miami. And also, on a related note, like finance is also relocating down there to some degree um, with companies like Goldman Sachs, Citadel, Elliott, which are all investment firms or whatever, um, are like investigating or actively moving down to Miami. Um, and another data point in that is that like this, the exodus that you mentioned is like sort of happening in earnest. Um, according to Redfin, which is like different from RedTube, um, don't get those two confused. Um, according to RedTube, Miami was the top migration destination for home buyers in the U.S., while San Francisco had the largest homeowner exodus. Um, so people are really like, yeah, fuck that. Um, we're moving to Miami and getting like gigantic tax giveaways but um, i think yeah i mean so that, no that much of it is true but i think i mean there is like there's that but there is also like i think the less 
don't know, sinister thing is that there are a lot of people who are moving from, you know, other previous hubs just because, like, they didn't really like it there to begin with, right? You know what I mean? Like, there's been a huge influx into, like, Austin, into Nashville, right? Like, I did a story a while back that was, like, showing the biggest, like, like where the biggest moves were from, like, the old tech hubs. And it's, like, there is, like, a correlation between, like, you know, lower taxes and all that. But at the same time, it is also, like, when people are given the opportunity for the first time to, like, not have to live in, like, a crowded city or whatever, like... Some people Miami's like, a crowded city. That. So is Austin. Yeah, but not as much as like San Francisco and like not as much as like Chicago. These like sort of denser like there are other things outside They're of taxes. They're kind of the I same. I people mean, people just like like the lifestyle better, right? Like it's there. T- I mean, I've spent time in all of these cities, and like there's, you know, like they're different. But I think that like. Like, They're not I, I so would, different. I would move to Austin if I could from New York and like, right, not for the taxes, <laughs> right? Like, right, but you're from Texas and you are a, a rootin' tootin' Yosemite Sam style. Even if I weren't, um, I just think it's like the, it's just like more fun, right? And it's like better for me, but right? But not, but you also, but you're not a tech bro, also. Um, um, they're afraid of things that are fun, um, for the most part. Um, I want to also just mention one thing also from this article, which is that um, more evidence that Miami is indeed um, courting the crypto set um, is that um, in the past six months, the world's largest Bitcoin conference happened in Miami and also a crypto exchange called FTX paid $135 million for the naming rights to an NBA arena, edging out... out Edging out hometown, <laughs> hey, hometown heroes, the porn studio Bang Bros. <laughs> so we were that close. We were within a, a, a fingernail of having Bang Bros Arena Dude, I would, down in Miami. Oh I my would God. hands down, you know, sacrifice I would see a the, lot I would start watching Bros the NBA, <laughs> yeah, 100%. So yet, an- yet another thing that crypto has taken from us. Um, yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, you want to talk about, we have our own Nayib Bukele, our own little El Salvador uh, down in Miami. Um, I can't and say again, that, It goes like, without saying that like all courting, this is all, this is like, we've all seen this story before. Right. Like courting all of this, like, you know, just like sticking your ass up in the air, like a dog in heat for all these tech companies to come and mount you and do all this stuff. It's yeah. like, you know, it doesn't really benefit people uh in the in the broad sense for the most part i mean most it just you know places gentrify the money is concentrated in like the professional class people from other places will move there and take the jobs that are good which is what the whole thing is about it's not about like bringing jobs like uplifting the lowly miami and and teaching him how to code Right. It's like, no, just giving that same job to some other dickhead who moved here from fucking California to pay less taxes and, uh, yeah, I don't know, drive a Ferrari around on the weekend that he rented Well, that's, um, what, that's what they mentioned there, too, is, like, in Miami specifically, it's, like, a more explicit case because, like, Miami has kind of, their economy has never really been, like, about people working there. It's always been, like, very tourism-based. Um, yeah, and, and like, like, and, like, uh development and like right. a sort of housing yeah like re- like fucking but uh, primary yeah real estate but like now you're trying real to, estate yeah trying to build up like 
essentially companies are there and it's like they're having a whole bunch of issues with that too because it's like this has never been the thing and like they're like they've you know they go into it in this piece but always been like a pretty big boom and bust kind of city um for sure so it's interesting and i mean a lot of busting a lot of busting, lot of busting going busting. down i mean bang bros right <laughs> a lot of, a lot of busting. Yeah. you couldn't have bang bros homegrown heroes without a lot of busting um, <laughs> yeah but i mean it is interesting though because like i don't know i've been covering the whole like um just like the the movement of like the workforce a lot recently and like so there was like it still is like a big exodus away from the tech centers but at the same time what's interesting this was a couple weeks uh, a couple months ago now where when specifically when like a lot of the bigger tech companies in silicon valley started announcing they were going back to the office there was a big swing in the other direction where a bunch of people have been moving back to san fran and to chicago um the substantial amount to the sense that's like basically they were kind of fluid right where it's like unless right. you were a company unless you were working at a company that they literally moved their headquarters which like some of them did um like a lot of those people are just like kind of moving back because it's like it's no longer really like feasible or feasible right um which is like yeah you know that's a whole thing for you if you're doing that but then also like for these cities like miami austin nashville um it's a weird place to be in because like you essentially just had this influx for like a fleeting moment. And now like, as soon as like things go back to quote normal, like you've lost them because it's too much of a pain in the ass to actually do, do it there. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out like a couple of years from now. See for like sure. if these, if these things actually like obtain, um, or, or were ephemeral from the jump, um, time will tell. Um, the one thing we know, though, Miami will never stop busting. Um, um, okay. Do we want to talk now about um, another gift uh, of another little succulent fruit from the, from the bounty, the giving tree of Silicon Valley? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the always home cam. Um, uh, so, what's the deal, Mac, with um, the newest, the hottest new drone um, that you can get in your house? Um, well, I think more alert. than, uh, let's go into it, but I think maybe before we even do, um, you know, this is, it's created by Ring, which is owned by Amazon, and they put out a nifty little video um, that kind of goes into it. Uh, you guys aren't going to be able to see the video itself, which is pretty funny, but um, the audio is pretty good too. So maybe we can just let them kind of uh, yeah. tell you about it for a second. Yeah, let's cut to that. I love that was some some really choice um, choice advertising material. Um, I was really I was really swayed. Um, yeah, let's 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 have a listen. At Ring, we invent stuff like the Ring Video Doorbell, Ring Alarm, and so much more. But where do we go from here? Introducing Ring Always Home Cam. Yeah, it's a camera that flies. Um, what? We thought, what if we made a camera that can see every angle in your home without having a camera in every room? And make it smart enough so that you can teach it where to go. Like this? Yep, just like that. Cool. So with the push of a button, it wakes up and goes here, there, 
or wherever you choose. You forgot the orange slices, didn't you? No way. Frankly, I blame the oranges. <laughs> hey! And the Always Home Cam works seamlessly with Ring Alarm. Yeah, that's not good. Actually, it's great, because you can watch live from anywhere. <sighs> well, good for you guys. And when you're home, Always Home Cam is docked and the camera is hidden, designed with your privacy in mind. Introducing Always Home Cam, only from Ring. Yeah, so yeah. what's your... Uh, cool. <laughs> that seems great, right? <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Um, I'm fucking so sick of when my goddamn husband leaves the orange slices behind. He tries to gaslight me that he that he he brought them so now i can use our personal uh drone servant to prove him wrong for the um for the listeners in front of our daughter who didn't have the opportunities i do recommend you go just go to it's called type in google Ring, we'll put a link in it we'll link to cam. it in the, yeah and watch it but in the app description in a brief in a brief so what this thing is um there's imagine like a dock in your in your room that's like i don't know like it's the size of like a, a humidifier or something yeah and then um it opens up and out comes like an rc helicopter the size of like like a video it game looks like controller. an upside down atari joystick yeah it does, it does. <laughs> um, um or like some type of like stationary butt plug yeah um, but what like it is kind of with a suction cup is um ring who i think we've talked about before on this podcast but it's like amazon's like home security system so they do like if you walk by nice neighborhoods and they have like a their doorbell like glows it's a camera that's like a security camera and yeah and it's, um, it's been you. fraught with a lot of issues but now um you know sort of like totally aware self-aware of like their you know privacy issues they've decided to come out with a essentially the same camera but linked up to this rc drone that when you're gone it will you know, come out of its shell and fly around a predisposed, like a predefined route in your home, video recording everything for you to watch. And then also, like, if there's an alert in your, you know, on your ring system, someone's at the door or, like, I don't know, whatever else it gets yeah, there to. Yeah, a, 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 a sort of um, rotary system of razor sharp blades will um, <laughs> come out and it will fly at the attacker. Um, even if it uh, is just the UPS man, and it notably um, it has a it has a battery life of guess how much, Jonah? You told me the other day, and I don't remember, but it was like really ridiculous. Like it like, is like a whole ten minute, five like ten minutes, minutes five minutes <laughs> with a wow. with a well, two hour charge time. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude, we love it. How much does it cost? I think it's like, like one hundred fifty bucks or two hundred fifty bucks. It's pretty cheap, man. It's almost as if it's almost as if there's like another there's like they want you to get it beyond like the 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 margin that they make on the sale. Um but that would just be ridiculous. Yeah. Um this thing looks like a man hack from Half-Life 2 if anyone has played Half-Life 2. Um you'll you'll know how uh how pet, how um how mischievous heaving those things can be i mean um, jonah and i talked about this before off mic but like it the whole thing the video and this like especially like with the context being that like a lot of there's been a lot of like questions over ring about like how it's like 
you know, amplifying fear and like, you know, like worries about crime and stuff. Um, and it's just a big boon to fucking police. Yeah, they work um, with a lot of police. They work with, over, like, Ring has a partnership with over, like, 2,500 2, police agencies around the world, around the country, where they, like, share the, the video feeds from Ring with them. Yeah. And they've sold, um, since, they've sold one and a half million of those little snitch doorbells. And so the whole thing is, like, it does feel like they're, like, trolling us, I feel like. You know what I mean? Because this thing, like, looks, you know, like... It looks like a weird fucking out of cyberpunk a surveillance drone. It has the glowing light, like like Howl from twenty uh, <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, um, two thousand one, and um, yeah, and then the video. I don't know. It just, it just definitely it so feels like they're just fucking with us. But people buy it's it. It's very creepy. Way. But no, this is my thing too. If I, if I could get a little armchair Freudian, um, it's just that like. Why, why are like it's like people the people who go in for all this like fucking home tech are like pretty well to do for the most part i feel like and i think it really comes from a sense that like in this day and age of like ma- of just like massive and more and more obvious and unavoidable inequality and like suffering that's going down everywhere the people who do have like a nice suburban home that have a a house big enough that you would actually a, a a robot drone would be able to patrol it like you have a hallway i don't right. <laughs> for instance yeah. um <laughs> like if you have a hallway you probably rare are commodity in enough. New York, my friends. yeah a rare commodity <laughs> yeah um you're probably like that's where people are so fucking freaked out there's like this sense that like the the rabble the masses are going to come steal it back from them or like i i think that's why you see like you know it's the same with like the at the all the way at the other end like the or the at the to the extreme degree, like the Peter Thiels who are building these bunkers and like bug out bags and shit. It's just like the average person is like just living their life and like not I don't think so concerned with being murdered or like uh you know having their property expropriated from them. Um and I do think it's like there's a sense of like sort of Edgar Allan Poe style um telltale heart like um guilt that is required that is pr- prompting some of these people to like ultra surveil themselves in their homes because they feel unsafe when really there is no there is no pressing threat i mean people are not like having their being broken like it's not like the fucking night stalker is is, is out to get you um, yeah i mean there is a, a yeah f- for sure i mean i think there's um it's just a theory there's a there's a whole like sentiment around you know, whether or not this increased crime, but I think that this was something I wrote about today because, like, you know, this is Ring, but also, like, Google, notably, they have something called the Nest Hub, which is, like, their smart home shit, and, like, they also have their own security cameras. They're, they don't fly, <laughs> for what it's worth, but they're, they are, they do the same function, and I think there's a thing, too, that, like, um, you know, as people have more, like, you know, internet controlled lights and like alexa and like all these other like smart home shit smart fridge um smart fridge smart lock like have you seen like the, smart, the that um, thing like cock rings too um are there smart there cock are rings? Co- smart cock rings yeah um notably um i think vice did a thing about this a while back but that someone had like hacked someone's smart cock ring um see and, that's like, the problem yeah but um but the point Your is little though, chastity that, like, belt as, like yeah. as these like smart um essentially smart home systems like proliferate there's like ever more incentive to have like 
um, you know, like a nice thing that like keeps it all safe, right? Right. Um, and I think that like protect your investment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You spent you spend like I mean that shit adds up when you do it all. You spend like you know a couple grand on your smart home stuff. Yeah. You're like you need a yeah, you need a, a smart robot. <laughs> you need like a, a whole security system to protect your your robot butler, mm-hmm. and you need like a robot bouncer security guard. To protect, yeah, the, your your security cameras. Um, Meanwhile, it's like taking, literally taking like videos of your entire room, right? Which it's then sending to Amazon or Google, or whatever. It's also we. This was a separate thing from this, but um, it's we should probably have some sort of link to it as well. But Amazon also came out with this thing called the Astro, which is um, it's that like, little fucking dog. Yeah. yeah, it's like robot roaming robot, and it's that one is actually for a thousand dollars. Um, and like, it's essentially just like a wheeled robot. It's like a Roomba really that goes around your, it's a Roomba that goes around your house, but it has like a, it has like a periscope that comes out and it's a camera that like conveniently links up to ring (laughs) as well. I Um, can't imagine my fucking, my, what's it called? My Astro just mm -hmm. like nudging my door open while I'm jacking off. Right. (laughs) It's just being like, He's uh, like would you like me, to master? reorder yeah. a new uh, like pack of lube? I've noticed you're low <laughs> on Tide Pods. And you're like, leave me alone! <laughs> oh no! Um, that sounds awesome. As dude. an Astros fan, um, really pissed that they decided to go that that route right. with the name. But you guys are in the playoffs, though. We are in the playoffs. So yeah. Um, uh, we can't go back into sports the sports mode again. That was, <laughs> we lost half our listeners for that time we talked about sports for ten minutes. Um, yeah, not good. Um, this shit is kind of fun. I do like talking about it. Cause it's really funny um, and kind of interesting. Um, uh, um, never, never to fear, though. Um, we will remain vigilant. We will. Who watches the watcher? You know. And the answer is it's it's us, Mac, or um, or potentially anyone who has one of these that also has a cat that decides it's time to knock these fuckers out of the yeah, sky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take them down a peg. Hopefully, man. I hope there's a high casualty rate. Um, I expect that that will have to be the case. Um, okay, cool. We have uh anything else on uh. On the uh, on the appetizer menu. Yeah, today. I think we have one more sort of. I guess it's a small dish more than an appetizer. Um, small plates. Yeah, I guess a uh, chili con queso in Texas or in New York, it would be like a liver mousse. Um, you Chicken know, liver mousse. Depending on. The, I know a thing at. or two about that. Um, but it has to do with um, a charming little fella. Um, I say that somewhat facetiously. He's kind of a gross no. rat man but um but, but important nonetheless um julian assange um, oh oh yeah right yes um right yeah julian assange well yeah go ahead mac um, yeah he's in the news uh that little gadfly of the uh of the natsec and um intelligence community yeah so i guess i guess a real keep it real brief because he has a whole like thing but He's been kind of like out of the news for a while, so I guess it's worth a quick reminder. But Julian Assange, which I think I want to note, I feel like is on purpose. Sure. You know? Yeah, I think that's. Fair. I don't think. Um, um, but Julian Assange, right? He was. Um, I forget where he's actually from. He's a. Sweet, he's Australian. Australian. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Australian. 
Um, and he was the founder of WikiLeaks, which, you know, you've probably heard of. It was, like, notably, it was kind of, like, pre-Snowden era. It was a place where um, kind of, like, all, all things went. It was a disseminator of, like, leaked information. So it's, like, people from, you know, whether it was, like, stuff about Scientology or whether it was stuff about, like, U.S. Kenyan, security state. Kenyan corruption. Kenyan yeah. corruption. Any, literally anything went. It was, like, kind of, it was a new thing at the time in the early 2000s of, like, a platform where you could send classified or like other strange documents to them and they would just publish them kind of without any edit, right? They were they were strictly unlike um, other places. I mean, like... they did do some curatorial uh, services, but they have been criticized a lot for like not redacting shit um, up to including like people's private medical records who aren't like, you know, necessarily like that isn't germane to the story um stuff like that and like letting stuff slip through that is uh potentially dangerous or you know identifying uh individuals in right. a given story but i remember i mean i think the thing that they define themselves as was basically like a safe intermediary for people whistleblowers say to leak to instead of leaking directly to like uh you know the new york times say and then risking having uh, your your identity revealed or leaked or otherwise made made known, whereas they were like an unaccountable sort of non-profit, thoroughly ideologically anti sort of state power and police power uh, entity that could filter your information, whatever it was, to the proper journalistic channels for publication. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think a, that's how they style themselves. Important part of it, though, that was like what made them different from a lot of places, though, is that like you could go to WikiLeaks and you get the raw shit, right? Like you get the documents, <laughs> the raw right? shit. You get like the real. Wait, Mac, and I'm gonna send you a clip to insert right here. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. I come in here and it's these files, man. I'm not comfortable with this. I'm talking about sig int and signals and shit and signals means code you know it was just lying there. talking here about department heads and their names and shit and then there's these other files that are just like numbers array numbers and dates and numbers and numbers and dates and numbers and i think that's the shit man the raw intelligence you can go there i mean there's still you can go there right now and you can see pages and pages and pages and pages of like uh what were once classified um pentagon documents pertaining to the iraq war which, or afghanistan which is like why it's important is that like this there's other places that do this now but at the time it was somewhat unique because there's always been you know the history of journalism has always been publishing like classified things right but what was different right. with wikileaks was they hosted their servers in like international waters and it was hard to like they were always encrypted. Well, yeah. They bounced and, around a lot. And the thing was that you could get, like, it was not, like, they specifically in a lot of cases weren't trying to, like, you know, like, create, like, a article or, like, a story or narrative. It was that, no, you get to see this is the raw shit. You make your determination. And that right. was, like, new for the time. But, so that was, like... They kind of started small fish, but then I think like you know to get not to get too into history, but the big thing that got them on the radar 
was um, in the Iraq the Iraq War. They released a, a a video of like a Apache helicopter pilot essentially just like yeah. mowing down um, a bunch of civilians, right? Including two Reuters journalists. Including two Reuters um, journalists. It's right. called. It's like become famous as the collateral murder video, but basically it's cockpit footage of these two yeah American helicopter pilots like blow like fucking you know mowing down like you said to a bunch of civilians um including two journalists whose whose cameras they mistook for guns and then an ambulance comes to sort of evacuate the survivors and then they light the ambulance up too and i think like you know 14 people were killed including children real debacle um but that was published via a leak from Chelsea Manning right um, who, if you've been paying attention to this story, you might recognize she spent was originally sentenced to 30 years in prison because she was in the United States military at the time and basically leaked tons of documents, including videos, to WikiLeaks for publication that made a huge splash when they were released and really, I think, did help change uh, like the public attitude towards the war in Iraq and Afghanistan as just this, like this senseless slaughter with no real goals or direction, which, and then this is where things, so this is where things get interesting for the point of the story, right? Was that like, that was kind of a pivotal moment where they became like on the radar of like the U S government as like sort of a problem to be dealt with. Right. And, um, you know, this was something that was been looked at. It was looked at during the Obama administration, but the, as they note in this Yahoo News article that we're about to talk about, the Obama administration kind of clearly wanted to do something about it in terms of like bring charges, but they kind of kept their hands off because WikiLeaks has always existed in this kind of like middle ground where they're protected a lot of the times under like the same First Amendment like protections that protect like the New York Times and anyone else. But, you know, it's with the Chelsea Manning thing and with some of the other stories, like they are, they do sometimes get close to the line of like how involved they are with acquiring the information. Right. And if so they're prompting or soliciting the information right. rather than passively receiving right. it, which I guess changes the story. But to your point, I mean, so like in 2013, um, this is from a piece in Newsweek, the Obama administration. So at this point, um, Assange was, I think already, well, we won't go into it too much, but basically the Obama administration impaneled a grand jury to look at all the evidence and say, like, is there a case to be brought against this dude? Like, and they basically said, no, um, there's no reason to prosecute him. It wouldn't stand up. And now quoting, it was due to what was called the New York Times problem, the dilemma of indicting Assange for the very same kind of investigative journalism that mainstream media engages in frequently. Um, because basically, yeah, like getting stuff that's maybe passed on to you through illegal means is absolutely fair game to publish if it's in the public interest. Um, and that's like what fucking journalism is supposed to be. So you can't really. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 100%. And that's, 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 yeah, that's exactly what the dilemma was. But I forget what the exact impetus was, but fast forward a little bit, this towards the end of the Obama administration. Um, I think like Assange was under like rape charges in Sweden. Um, and so he was held up for years um, in the Equatori- Equatorian embassy Ecuadorian. in in London. London. 
um, yeah. because he had extradition extradition charges held up there, um, and then you know famously like apparently like you know live streaming from there like riding his skateboard in the embassy never leaving and then last year i think it was or maybe two years ago um those charges were dropped but then the trump administration um officially like um you know like got got him out of the embassy right the i think the ecuadorian embassy well yeah so basically what happened was so yeah basically he there were two rape charges were levied against him in sweden in 20 not 2009 or 2010, that he said were like totally concocted. Um, he was arrested in, in, in England on, and was facing extradition to Sweden instead of being extradited because his position, which I think is honestly credible, very credible, is that it was political and it was all sort of a, a ruse to get him extradited back to the United States to face espionage charges for his role in all of these leaks about the Iraq war and, and et cetera. Um, because those, and the charges were eventually dropped by the Swedish, um, you know, state prosecutor for lack of, um, you know, evidence or, 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 or proper testimony. Yeah. Because, you know, he was clearly wanted in the United States, um, for releasing state secrets that were classified, um, or playing a role in that, in their release. So instead of facing the extradition, he, Jumped, skipped bail, forfeited two hundred thousand pounds um, from like some of his backers, also, which is funny, um, and sought refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy. Who, under at the time, it was the president of Ecuador, Rafael Correa, who was like a leftist, democratic socialist. Um, Empathize. What's the word? Em- empathized with uh, his, you know, whole his whole fucking thing, and they gave him asylum in the embassy and he basically lived there for like six years until yeah and lived in the embassy like in a room um and was doing his thing in there and then there was a new president who was elected lenin moreno who was also supposedly a democratic socialist under the same party but he actually like tacked super hard right after he was elected um instituted a lot of sort of like neoliberal reforms um, and sort of as part of his program, he rescinded the protection and invited the British security state, uh, the British security service, Scotland Yard, MI6, to come into the embassy and seize Assange, which they did. And you may have seen that on the news. They like fucking hustled his ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. They like grabbed his ass and like shoved him into a van like a naughty toddler. Um, and yeah, he's been in prison, um, on facing contempt of court because he skipped bail, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I think we're going to go back into why we're talking about this, but the current state of affairs is that he's still facing like the, the Biden administration. This all happened under Trump. The Biden administration is still seeking his extradition. Like they're still pushing the UK to do this. Um, and everyone is sort of asking like dude why like why are you after his fucking head if biden was a part of the obama administration that was like no we're not going to press charges yeah Um, all all, that's all all good the only thing i would add is just like during when that whole like you know like getting taken out of the embassy and stuff a big part of it too is that during the trump administration they were trying to charge him under the espionage act which is like a spying 
law that was like made during the Adams administration. Yeah. And... Well, during I think it was from the World War One era. Oh, I thought it was from I thought it was from way earlier than that. But I think it was from ni- like nineteen seventeen when there was like a lot of anarchist agitation and people I thought it was from John ag- Adams. I'm curious if that's let's do a quick beep 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 fact check. Yeah, number crunch, number crunch. I thought it was from John Adams. It is from nineteen seventeen. Shortly after the US entry into World War One. Oh, I'm thinking of the Sedition Act. That's what it is. Um Damn, Mac. First, you didn't know the capital of Florida. Now you uh, the espionage okay. with the sedition but act. Dude. Anyway, so but the, regardless, though, no, like, the, the point is that like this is something that was kind of like a third rail because, um, like we said before, like WikiLeaks has this sort of like, um, you know, debatable position about like where they lie in terms of being like a jur- journalistic institution, and with this charge, what they were trying to say, as I remember was that with a specific like one of the things too is that they're trying to charge them for computer um hacking essentially it's like there's a specific law but they're saying that like someone at wikileaks like deliberately hacked into like a u.s system to steal which is bullshit because i don't think there's ever been proof of that at all that they they are like as far as anyone can tell, are just a receptacle for information that other people right. go around. And well, get. I think, I mean, the last piece of background with this, too, why it's interesting is that, like, they mentioned this in the story, too, but, like, during the Trump administration, I think this is, like, when, or not before the Trump administration, during the election, this is when things started switching a lot, where, like, a lot of people who used to be very pro WikiLeaks changed their tune, was that, like, during the Trump administration, when there was a lot of the questions about like during the dnc like leak for example yeah. right where it was shown that like the um like certain russian um, backed intelligence agencies had like been involved in like the hacking of like dnc communications WikiLeaks was like very willing to like spread that information and like that well wait, i mean they weren't spreading i mean that's like sort of loaded right because they weren't they were again just doing what they do which is sure releasing what it, though Disseminating real, inf- real right. Precis- uh, documents yeah. that were insanely right I'm germane not, to the thing, which yeah, is I'm that not like saying that's not the case. I'm I'm saying though, but that's so like what? Context, how is that? Well, I don't know how that change, how that changes when, anything. It do- doesn't. What I'm saying is like that's when like the people who used to be pro Assange, a lot yeah. of them started switching their well, team yeah. because it became like it became inconvenient, inconvenient for them because now the shit that he was. You know, spreading was things was that were directly in the against, like their preferred candidate, which was Hillary Clinton right. at the time. And um, you know, this is when I think now, if you look at like a lot of the coverage of Assange, like there is like people, especially like the security state, the liberal media, or, or even as well. yeah, or just like people who work in national security, like have like label WikiLeaks as like a foreign agent, right? Because they're saying that, like, their Which is, coverage, like, disproportionately um, is, like, you know, benefiting Russia in this case, right? Um, I don't I don't see the connection between... Ben- I don't see how that any of this is benefiting Russia. I well, mean, the DNC shit, right? I mean, it was... Well, this was all premised on the notion that, like, the Russian government had an active hand in, you know, promoting and and, you know 
shepherding the Trump presidency into existence, which well, is I something think, that has basically been roundly discredited. Yeah, I mean, I mean like the Russians were podcast. active. I, I think the idea, though, is that with the DNC, the DNC hack is attributed to like the GRU, right? Like that is that is where the that well, is that's where the, what the, the that's D- what the United States government and like well, our security state and, has said. I and, think you have to the, take that with a huge. But grain it's of not salt. just them, though. It's a bunch of other like a bunch of private security firms that like cover this have like all being like, paid by who? I mean, I, and like I, I just think you have to, and like even I'll grant that like that's probably true, though, right? That this is like this is this was the origin of that. It doesn't that doesn't change the fact of like how you interpret it, right? You can. Well, like, I, I think I think the, you the have origin to, is pretty. You can't treat that with total certainty, um, because it, it, it's it it is pretty like loaded. Um, I know, but there is like there is it would be one thing if it was just. But the granting CIA that, it, but uh, yeah, like, okay, you know, I, there's many different sources that are like not fine. Even linked to the U.S. at all. There are private companies that are like security companies, cybersecurity companies that have, like all attributed to specifically, you know, his name's Guccifer two um, who was like working with like well Russian a Russian, people. I know yeah who and like the the happy bear or whatever no those that's the fancy those are the male strippers fancy bear yeah um, regardless but this is too in the regardless so yeah why are we talking doesn't about matter this? we're talking about this because all that background in like there was a new Yahoo news article that came out that was kind of like detailing during the Trump administration all the efforts that were made um, to kind of like you know hold you know put the hammer down on Assange yeah. and they so were pretty um extreme in a lot of cases they were right? pretty no holds barred so basically yeah during this whole time in 2017 Assange kind of made himself a nuisance again because he as part of what WikiLeaks called their Vault 7 releases right. the NSA um they released a ton of tools, basically hacking tools that were used by the CIA the NSA. and NSA. Yeah. The CIA, no, but also the CIA in wow. particular. Um, the CIA had like a number of, um, you know, spe- like you know, exploits and hacking tools, softwares that they would use to, for instance, get into your iPhone and like, you know, install on the firmware of a phone and be able to record and use it and listen into everything. And a bunch Mac of previously books. unknown zero days, right? Like a bunch, a bunch of unknown vulnerabilities that were like, essentially no one had fixed, but like only the NSA and CIA had knowledge to, and then they made this public, and then it was like, you know, kind of yeah, open season. It blew their fucking shit out of the water. Although, granted, I, when this stuff was published, it was most of it was many years old and dealt with like several generations back, um, so it wasn't like as pertinent to like current day operations but it did show that like oh yeah the cia and nsa are 100 percent have the capability to like break into your iphone or your macbook or your or your fucking android and just spy on your shit which is you know certainly if it's used against american citizens that's against the charter of the cia but it's never stopped them before so after so this all this was being released and then um i also i gotta shoehorn this in um talking about people's changing opinions um this is from wikipedia in 2010 donald trump because this all did happen under the donald trump administration all of this recent sort of thing that we're talking about um in 2010 donald trump called wikileaks quote disgraceful and suggested that the quote death penalty should be a punishment for wikileaks releases of information following the dump of emails hacked from the hillary clinton campaign donald trump told voters I love WikiLeaks. Right. Dude, I mean, the Trump thing is one of the I funniest. I love them. 
parts of this whole thing because even <laughs> as we're going to get into spoiler alert like the Trump administration literally had a hit on on yeah, on Julian Assange but then when they when ass. they talked to him about it like the reporters um <laughs> like one of the quotes from Trump himself post presidency was like I think the exact words were um no I that doesn't make sense to me I actually think Assange was treated very unfairly like he, he's always held this like you know, publicly, this like, you know, kind of uh, pro Assange position because it's like beneficial to to look that way because you know it's it's well because counter, Assange has been a, counter, a fucking has been a thorn in the ass of like the Clintons and like which the is, sort of yeah. establishment. He's counter establishment, uh, you know. which is what Trump right. is, right? But at yes, the same exactly. time, Trump was the establishment. He was the president, right. so he's like. And okay, so as you touched on, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, there was a the Yahoo News, um, which you know, not exactly known as like a leading light of journalism, but they do publish some really solid investigative journalism. Yeah. Um, from time to time, um, and this isn't the first instance of that. Um, Michael Isakoff was one of the main journalists. Um, they do good the shit. Piece. They, I think they just they like, do. Yeah, they, they do. Take some, they do the longer things, and then between that. But basically, they published. Uh, there was like fifty interviews with former intelligence officials and officials in the State Department and intelligence um, services under the Trump administration that illustrated the degree to which Mike Pompeo, who was head of the CIA and who was like a genuine fucking golem. Um, and also his son um, goes to my barber, which little... Um, oh, shit. Yeah, a little side note. And apparently he, uh, every, like, my barber is just like a, you know, New York tried and true, like, working class dude. But, like, every time Mike Pompeo's son came in, they had to, like, clear out the entire place and, like, do a whole, like, sweep check and, like... Um, yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> I would consider, you know, pack putting on a... My my best vest, if you will. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Yeah. Anyway, um, so basically, yeah, a lot of shit became came to light uh, via this story, which was basically that um, although the Obama administration declined to prosecute Assange and was like, it's not worth it. We could we don't have a case against him. Um, it's it's the New York Times, as we said. Um, the Pompeo CIA was looking at several um, sort of um, means to compromise Assange to a permanent end, if you will, including straight up kidnapping him out of the embassy. So this is a quote from the piece. Pompeo and others at the agency proposed abducting Assange from the embassy and surreptitiously bringing him back to the U.S. via a third country, a process known as rendition. The idea was to, subquote, break into the embassy, drag Assange out, and bring him wherever we want, said a former intelligence official. Um, so that's, like, insanely illegal, of course. <laughs> that's, like, violating the sovereignty of, like, two countries at once. Um, deeply fucked up. Just back to the good old days of, like, CIA black bag shit. Um, they also proposed just straight up killing him. So another quote. Some discussions even went beyond kidnapping. U.S. officials had also considered killing Assange, according to three former officials. One of those said he was briefed on a spring 2017 meeting in which the president asked whether the CIA could assassinate Assange and provide him options for how to do so. So, yeah, they were looking to just like straight up kill his ass. Yeah, um, which other I think things if you... about poisoning him too, or like even they famously said because there was a situation that like, you know, there was some worry that like 
the Russian government was going to like extradite or like um, give him like rendition amnesty. his ass. Yeah. Yeah, and then in that Allah Edward Snowden. Yeah. Um, right. They apparently had like prepared a situation where like while the Russians grabbed him or were taking him back, they would like sort of either steal him from them try to like sh- like shoot out the tires of their plane as they were going back to yeah. Russia or even like get into a gunfight on the streets to like um, of London which is like in the fuck it's like behind a fucking Harrods this embassy is and they were like let's have a gunfight i mean yeah to read one more quote from this piece cuz it's really insane like that this was being drawn up although at the same time you have to assume that this is always like on the table right. shit like this but from the Yahoo piece again, quote, officials developed multiple tactical plans to thwart any Kremlin attempt to spring Assange, some of which envision clashes with Russian operatives in the British capital. There could be anything from a fist fight to a gunfight to cars running into each other, said a former Trump administration official. These people are like, end quote, these people are like <laughs> literally just like watching a fucking, uh, you know, Jason Bourne movie. Yeah, it's like, like Black Ops. It's like the Cold going, War Black ah! Yeah, they're literally like like soy facing over the idea of doing like a like a a a driving shootout. Uh, like uh, yeah, well maybe there'll be a drone mission. But to Um, what you were saying though, I mean, I think it's there's a fair argument that like okay, this is they're always the U.S. government and the military are like famously they're like give us every option you can, so it's not really so crazy. But what they go into is one thing for the president to himself ask for yeah, that's, options that, like that what is, are our options yeah. that's a little different yeah. from like workshopping every possible angle you know yeah and i think but it's also like with pompeo specifically when he was in the cia they mentioned this in the piece that like um unlike other situations where there was like maybe you know like some more restraint there's a lot of people quoting him saying that he was explicitly essentially saying he hated like, the song he was like it doesn't matter like I'll deal with the legal stuff. You just get get me like what you can do, right? And it's like I'll fucking deal with the rest. He's like I, and it was very it was very explicit as the reporting goes that he was like he wants the most extreme thing, right? Um, and that he would like make it work, which is like in itself a very, you know, aggressive position. You could say that it's very it's very CIA, frankly. I mean, right. it's bringing the CIA back to it back to their roots. Of just black bagging people and chopping them up and and what he gets from that promotion to be the secretary of defense or secretary of state yeah is that what happened oh that's, yeah did yeah, he become what, was he secretary of he state? was secretary of state yeah so his son goes to your barber shop he as of a couple months ago yeah I don't know have if you he still met does. him no I haven't my barber says he, the son is totally cool and fine it's just he has a weird life right because he's got. Secret Service. <laughs> yeah. Time. Oh yeah, I bet. Um, weird. Um, okay. So in any case, yeah. And like, I guess why? Why are we talking about Assange again? To wrap it up before we move into our next segment, like, people want like if I feel like if you need a just like a rule of thumb, like a little quick heuristic, if the Trump administration was that desperate to like fucking liquidate this guy, I think you he's worth the second look. Um, and at least worth some some sympathy until proven otherwise you know what i mean um i i I mean like i fucking think that he is a a pretty heroic figure and like is definitely a sort of paragon of what journalism can and should be um you know certain you know uh 
quibbles uh, over process aside, um, put my cards on the table here. And I think like, you know, anyone that Pompeo is thinking about um, trying to liquidate, I think that, that, that boosts their stock goes way up in my mind um, once you've earned that distinction. But uh, the thing, the thing is that he's still currently like in jail and being sought by the United States government over literally, again, just releasing information about our horrible, violent, illegal, pointless wars in the Middle East um, in order to bring them to an end, which I think he seriously contributed in, in doing. So that's like, you know, I don't know. That's my editorial on the matter. I don't know if you see it differently. Yeah, though, I mean, I guess if we're putting our editorials on the matter, I guess I will say, I mean, I've, Assange is like, he's a, I will say, like, Assange is a very important reason why I got into journalism, right? Like, he, it, him and Snowden at the same time are, like, why I, like, come into, like, security and tech, right? But I think I agree with a lot of what you said. Where I would differ is that I, I do, I think that Assange is a flawed character, as, like, many characters are. And I think yeah, that he's, course. I would not call him really a journalist, per se, because I do think that, like, he has, um he has like a, a political mission which is def defined but i think despite that like the case around assange is important for journalism in a really existential way because like regardless of whether or not you put assange on the same level as like a green glenn greenwald for example who right i think is a good comparison of someone who's operating in similar territory but where you know the key difference is that there's a lot more filtering that goes on with like the documents they have. The case around um, Assange is still really important for journalism because regardless of the individual, like once you start prosecuting people based off of like confidential material or like classified material that they're spreading, that yeah, has over. has a you know tack on effect to any number of who you would call like quote more established journalists who are doing the same thing but like a couple steps removed and so i think that like the arguments not that... to mention like you know pe people draw a lot of comparisons between like him and him or and daniel ellsberg and the pentagon papers which I think basically those are were flawed uh, yeah for what's worth well whatever i mean i think, yeah, I, think I, don't, the better, I don't know if they're that's... perfect one-to-ones but yeah i mean i i, I still think in the, however you want to Go over the details like he without julian assange and wikileaks we would not know all of this so much of the horrible fucking nightmarish shit that was going on in our wars abroad and like it's an absolute public service that people now know about that um regardless of what about like how you want to define journalism in some yeah. strict sense i mean i think i think this is i guess what i think though is that in the grand scheme of things, I don't think Assange does him or this whole thing a lot of favors because, like, I think what Snowden did um, with, like, going to Greenwald and going to the Times and going with, like, three different papers and, like, in The Intercept was a, a perfect case study of how the right way to do these type of things is, which is that you are independent and, like, you have editorial control of what you disseminate, but then you yourself give that through an institution that's like filtering it and making sure that it's like not revealing too much. And that, that is the app comparison are... to like Daniel Ellsberg because he did the same thing with going to the Washington post and like that, and they wouldn't publish this shit. 
they they did publish his shit. At yeah, but originally no one wanted to publish like uh, right. But eventually, but someone does right, and I think that like there is like I'm not like I'm I'm all for like WikiLeaks existing, but the thing is that like when Snowden went to. This is famously that, like, with the Snowden documents, right, the majority of things that Snowden sent have never seen the light of day, right? Because there are some things that are just, like, not one or, like, the measure between newsworthiness and, like, actual harm, there is, like, a, there is a measurement there. Like, I, like, I think we can both agree that the, the, like, the Silicon Valley idea that information needs to be free, like, there's some limits to it. And the whole yeah, but- point of like going through an intermediary is that they have the ability to like, you know, take the time to like think about what's the best thing to like release. And that's the problem that I think with WikiLeaks is they end up doing themselves more harm than good because this shit could be avoided if they just had like a better system of like measuring harm. Well, right? no, I think that's exactly the point. And I think like that's why they do deserve such credit, which is that they are not like weighing each piece of information as to like, how is this going to fucking, how much shit am I about to eat for this? They are just putting it all out there. And the fact that they have been WikiLeaks and Julian Assange as an individual whose life has been fucking ruined, like he, his life has been destroyed um, over all of this, make no mistake. Um, the fact that they do release it all is absolutely a testament to the fact that like (laughs) it's the shit that they don't want you to know to put it in like glib terms and i honestly think ellsberg who is himself like an interesting character i mean he's pretty spooky actually all things uh if you look into his backstory um in subsequent sort of uh agglomeration into the very uh um like you know um mainstream media ecosystem um I think giving it, like, handing the fucking, you know, handing all of your documents off to the New York Times or the Washington Post is tantamount to, like, censoring yourself because those institutions are, broadly speaking, the ones that serve power um, institutionally in such a way that none of this stuff gets out in the first place. Well, but I, I think, think that was the I beauty think... of the Stoning case, though, right, was that he specifically gave it to, like, many different places, right? That was a, a critical, like, point of it, was that it was, like, going out to different publications that was preventing it from being necessarily just, like, you know, stop-gapped by one particular But you just place. said that so much of what Snowden showed was never Ex- seen the light of day. because... But that's... But I, I think that's bad. Like, well, I mean, granted, I understand. Agree disagree, though, because I, yeah, like, I, I think we should some, agree. I think some that's things true. that, like, for example, like, if it just showed, if it was just things that were, like, a random person in Afghanistan, like, their phone number, you wouldn't want to show that, right? Like, you wouldn't want to show a WikiLeaks lot of things. does, but WikiLeaks does curate. I mean, like, they've caught, not, they've caught flack for not. not no, they do, though. Not in all situations. No, like, they, people have given them shit for not doing enough, and I think a lot of that is justified. But they're not just like taking everything they get and putting it right out like without any scrutiny. The thing is, they just release way more because, um, you know, they're that's sort of their ethos. And I think you have to say that, like, or, or you don't. No one has to say that's. But for me, I think that's way better than filtering it through the New York Times or whomever else who have, like it or not, 
um, they uh, they have they're beholden to some of these same uh, sort of state interests on one level or another to a varying degree. Like it's not a pure. They're not pure. But this is my thing, though, tellers, right? Is know? that like WikiLeaks is be. beholden to its own interest too? Which is that like if you look at the type of things that WikiLeaks has put out, it's 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 very it is its own ideology in itself, right? It's like it's not an equal share of like every corrupt government that it's putting things out. Well, about, the United right? States is the largest right. corrupt fair government enough. in the world. Fair enough. Fair enough. But are the like ones if, who are in Iraq and Afghanistan. Fair enough. Right. But if, but if the, if the dig on like going through the New York times or the guardian or like through like the intercept is that they all have like their own like biases, like Assange has like a very clear bias, which is like anti-imperial power, which yeah. is like the U.S. power, right? And like that's fine, that's good. but like, are, unless but you're it a is, pro, but it I mean, is, but it is not US everything, right? Power? It's not just an open funnel of like all the documents. It's a very specific type, which is just anti, like increasingly like anti-U.S. power, and that's fine. What like, I don't think they're I don't think they have a cache of documents that are like concealing all the good benevolent works that the United States is doing in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, no, I don't but, think but they're not equally that. releasing like shit about other large powers. Right. And I think that's the, but who is, who is on even on par with the United States military and our global. Right. Well, they're not I releasing mean, as much documents about like the Chinese government. They're not releasing as much documents about like the I point mean, is, is there's, there is an editorial decision being made at some point. Right. Um, it's also a question of what they get because of, who gives them shit? I mean, who is in a position? They're a Western outlet. I mean, and the West is has is they're up to its really goddamn elbows outlet. and blood. They're, yes, they're they a, are. They're not based out of anywhere. Well, they are. I mean, they have they're their a Western servers. Boutique outlet at this point, but well, their servers are were you know have been in Sweden and France and Iceland. Their current editor in chief is from Iceland. They've had like uh you know full time staff who are all from western europe or south africa which is anglo um i just think broadly speaking like you know yeah people give them shit because they're like oh you're not giving you're not saying all the bad stuff that russia is doing per se and like you know maybe they do have some type of uh, relationship to the russian government um i think all that has to be taken in, into account or rather you know in the broader context of like the United States is absolutely like you, you just look at the look just close your eyes and remember the graph that you saw uh probably not that long ago about the Russian the United States government spending on military versus like the next five combined. I mean, we are the sort of the evil empire. I mean, whether not evil say, I mean, I would say it's evil, but whatever you want to say about it, like we are the big dog still. And I think that's why we they are a justified and be inclined to to release more shit about our fucking misdeeds than say china i mean china does not have military bases uh throughout the world they just don't i mean they I mean, do but not they at do. all not even <laughs> increase no they so. absolutely do not not to the at all to the same extent yeah as not the to United the same States. extent i would grant you no, that but, but they do have military bases around the world and are imperialistic and increasingly way but th this is beside the point the point what we're gonna agree to disagree I, like i'm talking about like sort of why i view like the the snowden and For what is worth, china has four military bases um 
so the point is, is like I was trying to say why I thought like the Snowden and like Ellsberg approaches were more um, in line with like my idea of like how journalism works. But this is, you know, we're going to agree to disagree um, and that's yeah. fine. Um, fine. But um, but yeah, either way, regardless of our individual opinions, I think that the the the. Um, case against Julian Assange. The reason why we're talking about this, right, is because its future is out, and it's like um, it has a huge impact on the way that information can be disseminated for um, both in the U.S. and abroad. Um, and so, it's worth keeping an eye on. One hundred percent. And it's just a guy who, I mean, regardless of what you think of the larger project, did release information that was in the public interest, at least insofar as um, the United States wars um, and malfeasance therein was concerned, and his life is now being like currently destroyed, um, and actively so by the United States to this, to this, to this day. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's relevant, and as Max said, you know, it's a, I think it's a reason a lot of people who are like interested in keeping a fucking close eye on uh, surveillance and all the rest are doing what they're doing today. I mean, you know, took a big fucking swipe in the dark on that. Um, but, okay, so that's talk about that and, you know, information. Um, I think we'll take a little break and then we'll come back with a whole other um, swirling morass that we can... Uh, get lost in how's that sound Mac? yeah folks if you thought that was um you know a complicated distinction get ready <laughs> know, for jesus uh, even a more like murky area <laughs> i know jesus we're gonna have to try to keep this short um let's hope so um all right mac i'll see you in a second sounds good Okay, we're back. Um, I suppose you were just listening to some more of the musical stylings of our dear friend Dalton Core. Um, you know the deal, Espresso Tempo, go check him out. And while we're doing that, um, you know, thanks for listening, if you are still listening. Um, if you dig what, this show, we are not yet asking for any money. But <laughs> not yet is the key asterisk on that. Not yet. <laughs> but we are asking that you just spread our um 
our message far and wide, you know, any propaganda on our behalf is, is deeply appreciated. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, like and subscribe, yada, yada, yada. You know, that would be really cool because, uh, you know, me and Mac love doing this and we'd like to be able to do it more. Um, and we can't do that unless you guys, uh, yeah, like keep it, keep, keep it doing, keep it going. What are we going to say, Mac? Yeah, just basically, I was just saying for those of you who do have been like, Little listeners, my buddies in Texas, shout out to you guys, JJ, like such a out like buddies. I love all your feedback and all of our stuff, um, and like thank you that like you've been yeah, telling me all about my um, sh- shitty misgivings on some of the audio recently. So we're listening to you, right? Um, and we really appreciate all of you guys. We're trying have, like, to do better, but we just can't. <laughs> we're <laughs> like the we're limit like of the our limit of our son, capabilities. The drug son. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. No, but seriously, though, like for you guys that have like stuck around from the like, there's been an evolution, and I think we're hitting a stride recently, and like it's super cool to like have you guys along while we're doing it. So thank you so much for just you know being here and for being yourselves. No, I agree, one hundred percent. Well said, Mac. Um, all right, uh, on to uh, you know, what is essentially the second main course of the evening. I hope you guys, so you guys can. Unbuckle your belts, let your guts just sort of uh, careen, just sort of, you know, uh, uh, spill over your waistlines because we have a lot, a lot more for you. Um, if you need to do a little purging, um, now's the time. Because what are we talking about, Mac? It's, it's a word we all know and love. Um, it's really two words. It's misinformation. Misinformation. M O. M-I. Yeah, have you met Miss Information? She's a wi- she's a wily dame. Um, why are we talking about this? Um, I mean, I don't know. With COVID, vaccines, Trump, blah 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 blah. I feel like everyone has been sort of thrust. This new con- newish concept has been thrust into the fore as like sort of the the root of all evil in in anything, which is miss or disinformation. The notion that like people are just getting the wrong facts like they're people are getting the people aren't subscribing to the right newsletters that are telling them their daily bulletins of what they need to know and that's what's sending everything uh, just sort of off the off the cliff you know off the edge um and we're, wouldn't you know it it's not quite as simple as that but um yeah i mean there was the, like a yeah i mean i was going to say it's just like for those less like online per se i mean like i feel like at this point it's like misinformation is in the parlance right for a lot of different reasons that we're going to get into but in a basic sense right like i think the reason why it's like something that like any random joe has probably heard about now is that it's become like a lot more associated with like sort of misinformation is also the story is told in tandem with like the idea that like the internet is like spreading misinformation right that's like a big reason why like it's become so talked about and you know we're going to go into like whether or not that's you know the the intricacies of it but you know that's basically as a preamble of like what we're talking about we're talking about um you know like the whole well this is like why people aren't getting their vaccines like you know why people are voting for these like uh sort of 
patently ridiculous, uh, you know, representatives and snake handlers and or like why people think the Earth is flat, right? Like and another thing. Well, yeah, and it's like it's a lot of things, right? That people are just getting the wrong intel, you know, because it's and 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 to the extent that's correct, and to but in another sort of by another lens, it's much much more complicated and and uh honestly just uh, uh, comes come a completely different set of circumstances so okay let's jump into it what's like what's what why is this relevant there was that who is that lady she testified before congress do you want to rap on that Max? yeah so i mean um, it's relevant for a lot of reasons but i think this is something that's like a nice new thing so last episode we spoke a little bit like we briefly touched on about it how the wall street journal had put out this one of a series of articles about Facebook that had shown that, like, internal research had shown that, like, Facebook knew that, like, Instagram, for example, was, like, um, you know, harming children and that it was, like, causing teens to have, like, suicidal thoughts and ideations. Um, yeah, there was, was a study of, like, UK teens and, like, 18% said that when they were feeling, like, fat and bad about their bodies that Instagram made it worse. A similar statistic, a similar number said when they were feeling suicidal, they would link it, they could link it directly to Instagram. That's like almost 20%. Um, so clearly it's having an adverse effect on like teens' mental health. Yeah, and a, and, a part, and a part of that too is that like with that specific thing was that, um, you know, they were attributing part of it to the fact that like a lot of people, like teens specifically, who would like start watching this was mentioned in the hearing that we're about to talk about, but like start watching, for example, like a recipe video, right? They would very quickly be led down the rabbit hole of like their Instagram recommendation um, to like start seeing like anorexic um, videos, right? Like, and it was part of this larger series of reports that was, this was focused on teens, but a lot of it was focused on say how changes to the algorithm in Facebook's newsfeed or in other parts of Facebook were specifically t- like favoring engagement and growth and like above other things to the fact that to the sense that like they're they were allegedly like amplifying you know really uh, intense political discussion or like really intense like oh, yeah, mental health like- um problems or like shit that was like very just like socially bad but like in the name of like more engagement was like the backdrop for this so that came out and then the in this still, testimony to congress right? well Which, that, yeah. well this came out in those journal articles and then it was still unknown who the leaker was for that but she made herself yeah, known well, a couple of days ago and then um yeah her name is like Catherine uh, haugen hogan yeah haugen and um yeah, so she testified in front of Congress yesterday, um, detailing a lot of the things that she detailed in the journal articles, but like with her own firsthand experience, um, and then made recommendations as well to like potential fixes. Like a couple of things that she recommended were like saying that they should make, um, you know, potential revisions to Section Two Thirty, which like protects um, social media platforms from being held like accountable for shit that commenters say. Um, yeah, basically, they, if you provide a platform for people to say 
illegal or fucked up shit, you're not liable for it. Like um, if you say like law. all Jews should die because they're <laughs> fuck because they're like um. Sorry, I dropped something. I, I, I had to get my Nazi out, you know. But uh, no, if you said something like just horrifically fucked up, that was a civil rights abuse on Facebook. Like Facebook isn't held liable because of Section Two Thirty, which allows them to like say that they're hosting the content rather than like the which is of course very good and like not something that I don't think should be done away with because you don't want people like you don't want I don't know. I mean, it's, there's obviously free speech. First Amendment things like uh, throughout landmines, throughout this type of thing. Basically, yeah. So this testimony, she said that Facebook is basically, as everyone has probably suspected, an an extremely malignant ent- entity in that they don't give a shit if like their the content that they're sort of churning out and facilitating is insanely corrosive to public and so like social cohesion and. Um, democracy and based on their own the, research, mental... notably, right? It was the, the the point of it, right? What based on their own research, right? Was that like yeah, their, their own, own research internal research? That they knew this, this, but they're but they're publicly denying that it's a case, and, and that now... it's directly tied to like their algorithms, right? Is like a key and, point of it, right? And I think there's like two things in this, which is that like yeah, I think like the level to which it's ruinous for people's mental health, I think is undeniable. And I think that in and of itself is a cause to sort of try to shatter Facebook and the like and, you know, scatter them to the winds. Um, at least breaking them up to make them more easily easily able to be regulated because as of now, they're just so immensely powerful that I think it's insanely difficult to have... Well, yeah, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but... Right, I just... Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I just, like, before we get into the analysis, like, the last, like, groundwork, I guess, like, the just for the listener, right, the whole point we're talking about the the hearing was that, like, and it goes into the broader thing, was that, like, her main crux, right, was that misinformation wasn't everything, but a, a part of it was about misinformation, and she was tying misinformation based off of Facebook's data specifically to Facebook's algorithms which could be applied to any other large tech platforms, algorithms that their AI is because of their, you know, because of like the things that they're incentivized to favor are favoring the most explicit, the most extreme, the most polarizing and the most harmful material, which in some cases would be considered like quote misinformation. Um, And so the argument is that like, um, which has been said in the in the past is that like these algorithms are amplifying misinformation and that's that's okay. kind of like how we got to where we're at right because this is a true um because that's how we get to um right with the covid stuff which we were going to talk about was um you know if you've been following the news at all right like with covid like a big issue or proposed issue with like in the U.S., like, vaccine hesitancy or however you want to call it, like, people that haven't gotten the vaccine, like, both the CDC and the WHO and the Biden administration have all, like, linked the, um, I guess you would call, like, the hesitancy to get vaccines by certain populations to misinformation, right, to, like, the spread of material online that's, like, 
you know, rumors or false information or however you want to say it that's preventing them from going and getting the vaccine, um, which famously, as we'll probably put a, a clip in here in a second, like Biden came out and said that Facebook was, quote, like killing people because of misinformation, with the subtext being that their, you know, misinformation around covid was preventing people from getting vaccines which in turn was then killing more people by having less right. people so that's the the backdrop yes yeah. yeah that's yeah very well said um this is yes this is the this is the truth um and i think like okay what do we make of all of this um clearly i think everyone has probably been exposed to the notion that like dangerous misinformation is circulating online and it's warping people's realities to the degree that they're going to elect you know, iconoclasts like Donald Trump. Um, and like clearly to some extent that is maybe true, but I think like, uh, you know, the re there's a, a substantial amount of sort of analysis out there now to show that like Facebook is really way more just like a mirror of what is already happening to people's brains than uh, sort of something that's sculpting them themselves. Um, and like I don't know, we have like a body of of information here um, to sort of draw on. There was a, a a really good article that we'll link to in Harper's Magazine, um, talking about um, information disinformation and the degree to which like the notion that that exists and the perpetuation of it has become an industry unto itself, um, and. You know, what the thing that they lead with, which I think is very funny and sort of telling, is this anecdote of the Commission on Information Disorder, which was like a sort of like blue panel, blue ribbon committee um, by a bunch of private people to sort of how are we going to deal with all this in disinformation flying around? And it was co chaired by Katie Couric. And of the 15 commissioners were included. Um, a director of R&D for a technology incubator within Google, Gary Kasparov, who's the chess champ guy, um, a former Facebook chief security officer, and one of the Murdoch family's um, spawn, and as well as Prince Harry from the royal family. And these are all people who are like, why don't the, why doesn't the average peon trust what we have to tell them anymore? Like, they're all getting the wrong ideas. And it's just like, I think this gets to sort of the crux of what a lot of people have posited and what is my sort of take, broadly speaking, on this multifaceted issue, which is complex, complex and complicated. But that like, this sort of elites, like it, it, 70 years ago, people would just turn on CBS and just like fucking believe, broadly speaking, whatever was told to them. And like that state of affairs was upended by, I think, in subs, like several various and sundry instances of these like mainstream institutions being shown to be um, dishonest and not credible. Um, and as well as just like the general state of affairs. Um, as controlled by like these types of you know elites uh, such as that such as they are um, has been very bad for people and people's lives haven't been getting better for a long time um, and you know I, I, I Mark Zuckerberg took a lot has been taking a lot of flack as like Facebook is just like 
letting all the kooks and crazies like get their crazy ideas out to more and more people, which I, it, it, as you've pointed out, Mac is true. Like I think a lot of people who are just like watching cat videos um, are now getting exposed to like, you know, more fucking crazy political content that they wouldn't have otherwise seen. And it's, and it's convincing them one way or the other. But I actually interestingly think Mark Zuckerberg made an interesting point here, which was, and this is in the Newsweek article, he said it was a pretty crazy idea that bad content on his website had persuaded enough voters to swing the 2016 election to Donald Trump. His, he quote said, voters make decisions based on their lived experience. There's a profound lack of empathy in asserting that the only reason someone could have voted the way they did is because they saw fake news. And I think that's fucking true. Like, People voted for Trump because their lives have been shit and like, you know, the economy never recovered from 2008, yada, 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 yada. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, your point there is true, but I think the problem is, is that like, sorry, I was speaking out of the mic for a second. Your point there is true, but this is the thing, right, is that the, (laughs) the Zuckerberg quote, just because it's true, it's also not true at the same time because there has been like shit that's come out afterwards that there's been like internal data that's shown that like as Zuckerberg was making that same statement, there was internal research specifically showing him that like there, there was like um, the way that their algorithm had like been programmed at the time was like sort of like encouraging the type of things that he said were like, um, you know, like not, um, that were so crazy, right? Like he right. was denying that misinformation was a thing at all at that. This was pre 2016 or like this was during the election when he said that. And like, my point is, is that there's been like internal documents that have come out that he knew the opposite was happening. Right. So he, my point is that what you're saying is that like the ethos may be true, but like he was lying. Like he was definitely lying at the time. Right. No, like, he, I don't he think knew, he's, I mean, he's, he, knew he is a fucking liar that, like, specifically. So like anything Zuckerberg says is like, it's like, it's bullshit. <laughs> right. But no, I but, mean, I listen, this is one of the rare points where I would say that like, yes, he is a, 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 a a fucking liar and facebook is should be destroyed and scattered to the winds but all he's saying is that it is a crazy idea that facebook you know swung the election for donald trump yeah, i think well, that's, what's, what's, that's what's not, more yeah, likely and which thing, is though. clearly the like, case is that yeah facebook is like the fucking reflection of a profoundly sick and distorted sort of social body rather than the thing that's making them that way. And I think that is a that is a cogent and um and good point. And I think yeah, it's the, very well, easy to point, take it yeah, out point, on Facebook. The point he was responding to there was not about whether Facebook swung the election. That's like a more extreme thing. But I guess like I guess my only point of interjection before we move on is that like there is like because this is a complicated thing, there's there are several things going on at the same time, right? Where it's like you mentioned before that there is like there there are like literally just like part of this like equation that's going in is people saying shit that's just like demonstrably like it's not even about your lived experience or your political belief. It's just like there's just hucksters and bullshit and stuff that's like completely false, like you know, like f- flat Earth shit, right? I don't I don't think we're like going to bat for flat earth right we're not going to bat for like um 
you know, like the uh, there's a lot yeah, of yeah, but other flat sh- Earth is not really influential. I mean, I don't well, think very it, many people. I mean, it, it, there is more. There are earthers. more people that think about, that think flat Earth is true now than there has been since the 1700s. Right, that is a fact. Like this is okay. But, but, but my point, <laughs> sure, my point, my point 300 is, though, years, sure, is that like there is there's several different things going on where there's like the very clear, demonstrably true shit that's like the amplification of like clearly just false shit that's like okay but, but this then, is the point hold on, hold on hold on hold on right but then at the same time the broader question which i think is what we're getting into right is that there's a lot of other stuff that's like i think the general public especially with covid and with other things too right if you ask the general public who's not like thinking about this all the time like, why is it that we're, like, eliminating things or, like, censoring people or, like, making actions because of misinformation? I think most people reasonably would think that, like, the things that are being taken down or being fought against are, like, the same level as, like, Flat Earth, right? But as we're going to get into, they're not, right? A lot of the shit that's, like, quote, COVID misinformation or, like, even misinformation around, like, politics and stuff, a lot of it is either you know, has a grain of truth or it's shit that is true, but it's being presented in a way that's like based off of like a lack of other context is like not entirely um, telling the whole picture. Right. Which is a very different thing than like, you know, saying the earth is flat. Do you, do you see what, do you see what I mean with the distinction there? Yeah. I mean, I definitely do. Um, I just think the thing is that like, the crux of the thing is not that like so many people are um, like being exposed to these ideas that are radically false um, or or demonstrably false. Um, so much as, or, or rather, to the extent that they are, it's like it's really not a function of Facebook. Like they're not being exposed to this stuff through i would i would uh, push you on that media. though right because i think like the same it's flat earth but flat earth is sort of like a um a sort of a macguffin like that's sort of a misdirection because that's not really like what's relevant here like okay people but what having, about like the five the 5g thing right with covid like these are all things that are like macguffins but they're also true right where it's well, like listen it's let, I, like, I just want to i i think it's more i mean to the extent that we're concerned about like People, I mean, people who have like fringe, weird opinions will always, and um, sort of trade in them and circulate them amongst one another. And certainly, the internet is a has provided a means to do that. Uh, that's more frictionless than ever before. And it's amplifying but, it to a place where people who would have never. This is the point that they got into the Harper's article, right? That is worth mentioning is that like there's always been like even back in the 1800s the dude who was like crying on the street corner, but now the difference is is that like that person has like by the merit of like our personalized feeds and our personalized news system that's like giving you everything that you want based off of an algorithm that's tailored to your every whims that those type of what used to be the fringe you know sort of niche things are being amplified to a lot of different people right see i fundamentally disagree i think like that is sort of wishful thinking. It's just that, like, oh, people, the too many people are getting to hear the crazy guy in the corner now, whereas before, like, 
he couldn't reach as many people and now he is effectively able to reach so many people that like they just they're just falling victim to his crazy rants and i think what's missing is like why are people now who used to just read the the mainstream news and accept it and operate based off you know what was essentially a more or less accurate reproduction of reality now they're just listening to insane nonsense and and gibberish and i don't think i think what's absolutely absent from all of these conversations is why don't people fucking trust what is told to them in the channels of like, what was fair, once respectable media but i think a lot media. of these people and, though right never listen to the mainstream media to begin with though right like- Right, but you wouldn't know, but you did not have enough people like if but if you're trying to say that like, you know, the flat earthers and the and the five Gers are now like um a substantial political body unto themselves. That's not what I'm, no, like, that's a different thing. That's that's a different thing entirely. But this is let me just make a point quickly here. Um, which is that like the people's trust in sort of uh uh you know legacy media has been substantially eroded i think by a lot of the really obvious and like damaging um lies that have taken place in the past you know even just 20 years from you know the iraq war and everything that uh sort of came out from that which was uh, you know premised on a on lie that was repeated to people through institutions like trust in 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 media is lower than it's ever been really right and i think like you have to i think just yeah i think you put it very succinctly in just saying that the low trust in media is i think what creates the vacuum for people to fill it in with so i agree with other shit um not all of which is is even wrong per se Great. I mean, the quick caveat before you go on is that that is true and it's a huge problem. But I think what I'm saying is that like, uh, like, and we talked about this before off mic, right, where there is several things going on at the same time where it's like the people who are, you know, going towards more like Substack newsletters or going towards podcasts like the future is out because or like as I've like my my newsletter, I've truly had people email me and tell me that like they prefer reading my newsletter over going to like the New York Times because they trust me. One, that's a really weird position to be in because like that's I think that's wrong. But two, like that's why a- why do you think that's wrong? I mean, the New York Times is is proven time and time again to be not a a, a, a tight ship. Right. I mean, there's a lot a of dude. malfeasance that goes on in, in that institution. My point, yeah. My point is, is that like. There's one thing of like people who are like already politically engaged who are like going and looking for information and like they're turning away from the mainstream media or like whatever the you know whatever the like um the establishment position was but there's another thing that's going on where I think and I and I I think the data proves this out that like for most of our history of like people like having engagement with the media, there has been a large proportion of people who are disengaged because they don't care. But what's changed is that now that like everyone, at least in the US, right, I think it's over like 95% of people have access to a smartphone. People also have access to like a personalized system that's giving them information that even if they were the person that had no interest in politics, even if they were the person that had no interest in news or getting 
information, they're still being fed it because if you're Facebook, if you're Twitter, if you're YouTube, it doesn't matter to you that that person is like not a politically engaged person. What matters is that they're someone that's engaged in content. And the content that's they're being engaged with is news, and it's news that's the most inflammatory, right? So you're taking people yeah. who otherwise would have never been engaged and funneling the most extreme shit, which is, in my opinion, seems like something very distinct from like someone who's saying like I just want to get a more unique, independent view from the mainstream media. Sure, you know but what I'm saying? yes, but I I think that is missing. It's 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 attributed. I think that's a symptom, not a cause. You know, I think people are have fucked up and are being more and more drawn into politics and more and more people who were disengaged are more interested in politics um, than ever because things have been getting harder and people have been getting squeezed more. I mean, like, you know, I think it all comes from people's material conditions. If stuff, if the gravy train is rolling, people don't really give a shit, broadly speaking. And if times are tough, people want answers. And there aren't really very many good answers to give you about like, you know, why is, you know, why are you making less money, you know, when all the costs are going up, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, and I want to make a point about, I guess like, you know, social media, I think is more like a fever dream that we're all having collectively more than anything that we're in intaking. I think it's more of a mirror of, of what we're all experiencing. Um, and this is from that article we both read that was in Jacobin by Bronco Markatic, but pulls on a lot of um, uh, Stanford surveys, Pew surveys, and the rest, including, you know, as of 2019, 53% of Americans get their political news primarily from local network and cable television compared to 18% through social media. Um, a Pew survey also carried out at the end of 19 found Upwards of 65% of Democrats, liberals, Republicans, and conservatives trusted CNN and Fox News, depending on their ideology and partisan leading. Um, and then liberal Democrats and the rest trusted their, uh, you know, their PBRs and, or PBSs and, and PBRs. I mean, I, I get all my news from my PBRs. Um, broadly speaking, though, like most people still watch tv and slight objection slight caveat though to that right is that like i th like that's true however we talked about this off mic but like and this is something that i've like had to like talk with a lot of people about with like especially the pew research is that when you're consuming media on like twitter or on facebook a lot of the time it's like it is like clips of like fox news or cnn or some other platform but you're getting it through social media so the 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 description that it's only 16 percent from social media is not completely accurate right because a, the the vehicle mechanism for which you're getting that information is the well, majority the of the time from social media still cable news. well yeah like, but you're still, not no, but it's but still no stuff one, that's but no one is getting like has money no one it. is getting like the very few people are getting their news by just like a, a quote tweet that someone is saying or a tweet right they're getting it from like the dissemination of like other media that's going through social media but when you're asking someone where do you get your news from 
like that's asking a deeper question is like are you someone that's sitting down and watching the news or are you someone that's getting your news passively through a feed an algorithmic feed that's coming through your platforms right and whether or not the actual media is from fox from cnn or from breitbart or from the intercept the fact that it's being disseminated through a platform that's algorithmically tailored to your interest that's the defining difference right okay like that's yeah that's what what you're asking when you're asking that poll i would yeah i just think the algorithm wouldn't obtain and would not have power over us if um you know a the mainstream media i.e you know the new york times and cnn and you know these places that have cachet if they hadn't so roundly discredited them themselves by their own actions in the past um however many years like these the the algorithm would not be delivering nonsense to people and they would not be so susceptible to it if people still had faith in the fucking mainstream media like they did 50 60 years ago and they did and honestly because the media was a much more um reliable and independent force it was also more homogeneous then though right i don't think it was independent at all right the media is more independent now than it was back then because it was only owned by a couple companies right like i like i hear what you're saying and i i will not like it is it is it is just it is it is it is just a pure fact that trust in media is lower than it's ever been like that that's in in yeah and justifiably and a pure fact that like there's been a lot of reasons to to justify that right like i i have a substack right that's why i have a substack is because it's a more direct um communication with readers but where I, where where i start losing it the thread though is that that is true but at the same time like it doesn't answer all the questions of like why it doesn't negate the fact that this new z variable we have which is you know in your pocket a system that's specifically meant to like heighten the most because this is this is part of the hearing right that came yesterday was they internal documents at facebook which is the largest social media company they specifically have made changes to their algorithm knowing that it would do a certain thing which is that it would target a very specific type of content which is the most extreme content right like that is a decision that is like you either click yes or no if you're facebook like they know they know they have the research that shows what's going to happen if they do it and they choose to do it and that's where you know it's not that this is the only thing and that the you know the distrust in media is not part of it but i think to say that it's only or primarily just a factor of distrust in media is, is negating a lot of evidence we have that like there is decisions that are made by these very powerful companies well, course, yeah. that are like very specifically leading to like the proliferation of extreme content or in the case of like you know the the like misinformation thing like content that is like more likely to be questionable right like and I have my own. But again, like, like this is the, the thing that's so dicey. And like, who determines what's questionable and not? I mean, this goes into such weird territory. Like, what's questionable now to some person may well be like vindicated as the absolute, uh, you know, you know, God's honest truth years down the line by you know some intrepid journalist. So this is like where this type of whole discourse starts to run on the rocks about like people aren't getting the right shit like they're not hearing the right info and it's just like 
I think what's happening is there is a genuine fragmentation of like what's the honest media and a lot and I think a byproduct of that is that people hear a lot of shit that's just not true and that is shoddy but also um people are getting a lot more information that is genuinely correct and that is counter runs counter to like the hegemonic media narratives that have been that have enjoyed basically a uncontested hegem like yeah like um primetime space um and whether like i i mean it's like the value you you can judge the value of it one way or the other but i do think that like you know that's just sort of what's happening and i think a lot of the allergy reaction to it is a lot of people in like the, the you know the again the mainstream media are sort of having a fit because they don't get to control the narrative yeah. so i don't th- i don't yeah i mean i don't think it's just the mainstream i think that's like an overbroad carte blanche but like i think this is the reason why i wanted to focus on covid in terms of the misinformation because i think it's somewhere where we can like talk about in some more like unity because like it, it is a clear case of this at least in my opinion so like for example we've talked about the distrust in the media right but there's also right a growing distrust in like other institutions such as like public health right because like as like everyone has said but like it's worth reiterating is like the CDC, for example, at the beginning of COVID, like has like flip flop back and forth on like masking, has flip flop back and forth on social distancing, all like kind of in the name of like sort of trying to like they would say probably like protecting the public against themselves, right? And people see through that though, right? And then they count like I what I wanted to bring up was like Joe Rogan, for example, right? Where it's like Joe Rogan recently kind of all through the pandemic but most recently has been like kind of as you would say in the mainstream media or just in like you know the kind of like the establishment has been like um decried as like a purveyor of misinformation right because he has been critical of like um you know specifics around the vaccine but also like critical like some of the things he like one of his big sticks right I, I listen to joe rogan one of his big sticks is he's like why aren't we talking more about like vitamin d why aren't we talking more about like personal health right and how that's gonna like protect you against covid that is something that my personal opinion is like i think it's a kind of missing the point and dumb yeah it's however however <laughs> it's not like fake it's not like flat earth like it's not false right it, i just think it's missing the point it's being stupid yeah but like it that specifically and like other things he said has been like the the point of contention for a lot of places to cancel him or to like restrict his assets and to make him labeled like a purveyor of misinformation and i think we could both agree yeah, that like, that stupid. Yeah, makes that's, that's a problem right where it's like this is where we get into a territory of it's like he's not saying flat earth he's not even saying anything that's false like everything he's saying is true but it's going against the narrative and like because it's like a a particularly um hot issue then being against the narrative is uh the same or equivalent with like spreading misinformation which is like that's where we get into really like fucked up territory i mean right? to the extent though that like you are saying like don't take the vaccine the vaccine is shouldn't be taken because you should ever everyone should just be instead like focusing on their physical on the exercise and vitamin D, it's like, 
that is genuinely like socially sort of corrosive. I mean, I don't think it's the place of anyone in the government to like shut down Joe Rogan over that. But like, is in a way, pla- that is it the place of is the social of, media companies though? Like a genuine question. No, I don't know. It's not because that's a, just a fool's errand and it would never work. And, and you can't have like, it is so, it's so um, nebulous, but it's like, that's why you should just like I think like you know you should just mandate like you need to change people's you need to like effectively change people's behavior to the extent that it's like necessary to the functioning of government but it's like I think that's why there's this like people are so no one thinks that anyone can get can do anything anymore it's all about like what's happening online and changing people's minds with narratives and it's just like I think that's why we're so obsessed with this notion of disinformation because it's just like gone is the idea that we can like organize people to do anything or like move or vote or act collectively to change the world or or do anything. It's just like what we have to do is change people's minds with our arguments on the internet. And that's the only way that like stuff is going to get done or be changed. And like that is in itself foolish because there's no there's no way to sort of change people's minds in some predictable way um and that's for that reason i agree like there's it's stupid to try to fucking moderate content based on what's dis or misinformation i mean like yeah it's good if you have more vitamin d it'll help you fight off a virus that's true saying that in the context of don't get the vaccine okay maybe that's true but then that's like kind of dicey and not really good Clearly, there's no way that you can have like a neutral arbiter just come down in some way that is like easy for that. But let me ask you like a question kind of like as because I feel like I understand your perspective and I would imagine that listener does now. But I'm I would want to ask you kind of like as an interviewer type of thing, right, to dig more in like certain specifics. So like from the conservative point of view, right, like when a big point of contention around like the conservatives um opposition to big tech has been that they're censoring um conservative thought online right like one what do you think about that and then two what do you think about more specifically this comes into the misinformation thing right like the idea that like let's say after the election right that some people were having like their accounts being like blocked or having them like having less reach because they were saying things about the election that were demonstrably untrue about voter fraud. Um, like what, what do you think about like that? Right. Like, and how does that play into this? Well, a, I mean the notion that conservatives are being silenced is fucking stupid and like the biggest crybaby bullshit ever. I mean, like there's an absolute font of right wing thought. Um, I mean so much so that like, is that misinformation is, though? I guess is my question. Is what misinformation? By like, for example, saying like spreading inform- spreading like on social media the fact that like um, the election was unduly won. Is that misinformation? Misinformation is, that? is is a fucking completely contentless term. I think is the important takeaway. It's like it's like it's as if saying that like there is a correct perspective on 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 an event that is inherently multifaceted like there's no such thing as misinformation short of some saying something that is like 
I guess, factually, demonstrably untrue. Like, and, and, and it's really like not the role, it's not the role of a government to, to play arbiter to that. And, and the fact that like we're at the point that the government is trying to tell people what is reality and is not. I mean, these are is, mostly, for what it's worth, the government hasn't to this point, right? Except for one thing that we might get into about a COVID misinformation law. For the vast majority of this, this has all been the purview of like the social media companies, right? The government has like really not had a stance on the misinformation. Well, they're only doing it laws, because, but the social these social media companies are not doing this out of like uh, some sort of uh, principled notion. I mean, they're doing it because they don't want to get regulated, and they are doing it under the pressure of government saying like, "Hey, you can't have people." Um, you know, instigating riots and, and Nazism and all the rest. I disagree with that in the sense that, like, this is my take of it. If, like, I've been covering this for a couple months, and it's, like, the thing that it seems like, from my perspective, that's, like, causing these companies to, like, take more of an active stance on, like, misinformation or whatever you want to call it, it's, like, the, f- the prospect of the government at this point in time actually regulating them on that is very low because like they've shown no ability to be able to do that. But what is happening is that they're losing trust and losing users from, from customers and consumers. And it's, that is what's causing them to like take a more active stand because like, if you look at Twitter or Facebook, like they don't want to be the, like they don't want to be parlor, right? Like they don't want to be gab. Like that's not good for their, like, like grandma or, like, you and me aren't going to use Facebook if it's known as, like, a place that's just, like, where fucking well, Milo Unilapolis goes. Well, we do. I mean, we're on their ecosystem. Um, but, like, they're not going to do that if it's not, like, a place where it seems okay for you to be. So it's really driven by the consumers way more than it is by the regulators. Maybe. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I think we have bitten off a, a big chunk here. And I, I think... We are going pretty long. So we may have to extend this into our next episode, Mac. Or maybe we can do a, a sort of addendum to this um, where we go into this further for those who are interested because I think predictably this is a, a, a quite, a, quite a can of worms. Um, but I guess I would just respond to you uh, finally and I, I don't want this to take on the form of a debate because I think that's not fun to listen to. And I think we, broadly speaking, have a lot um, that we agree on in this matter. And I think arguing the specifics of it is is a little less interesting than making some of the larger points, which are that, you know, m- misinformation is itself like a sort of a, a valuable concept to propagate and for people to believe in because it, it, it does function um, to sort of define the, uh, the, the outer limits of what is acceptable conversation and also to um, I don't know, to just sort of, uh, I think discount a lot of like, uh, what uh, basically i don't know i think it's a pretty pernicious concept um which relies not on like really refuting anyone's stupid terms or or argument but just sort of 
declaring it out of bounds in a way that is like expedient but not really useful and i think it points to the like the disintegration of like what art used to be like you know our regular mediums for working through shit that we disagreed about as like a country say um i think that stuff's going down the toilet which is bad um and i think this is sort of like a weak a little bit of a weak grasp at bringing it back into the fold um but i mean i agree with the sentiment of that to to a certain degree i guess like if we're gonna if we're gonna like not go too long on it then like i guess what i would want to do before we end is is um revisit something that you said earlier right um where I was talking about, like, I have a sub-stack as well, right? And it's like you were saying, why do I feel, like, uncomfortable with the fact that people tell me that, like, they'd rather hear from me than from the mainstream media, right? And I think it's worth... I just want to say something about it because, like, a lot of the conversation, at least from your point of view, has been about how, like, the misinformation, like, the... I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but the real misinformation is, like, from the mainstream media. No, right? that's that absolutely um, true. And I think it's like, I would want to talk about it for a second because I feel like I have somewhat of a position where it's like my day job is literally the mainstream media, right? But then I also do this and I also have like a newsletter that's like specifically independent and like unique from all that. And so I have like, I feel like I have a foot in both doors. And I think the reason why I said that I'm uncomfortable with the idea that people would trust, say they would trust me more than New York Times or something like that is for this reason, which is that, like, when I'm writing my newsletter, right, like, I do, I value the fact that I do the best I can, and I truly do try um, to be, hold the same standards I would, like, in a, in a, in a, in a professional situation to that, but the end of the day is, like, I don't, right, and, like, if I say something, yeah, but you're not let me, captive let me, to interests, though, that they are, and people understand that, though. Well, we have to wrap up relatively soon, but yeah. Let me let me just talk about it, and then you know we can de- yeah, say yeah, as we will. Yeah, um, but like, I can literally say whatever the fuck I want, and it doesn't matter at all, right? Because like my listeners are not going to hold me accountable. Like they're there. No, but if you were just saying bullshit, they wouldn't listen to you, though. Let me let me just go through the whole thing, right? Was that like? eventually maybe they won't but at the end of the day and i've noticed this is that like if you're list if you're reading me because like you think that i'm an alternative to the mainstream media like people are reading me not just for like my shit they're reading me because like they're it's like a connection that you have with someone that's like you feel like you're part of a group right which is like it's very similar with joe rogan it's similar with chapo trap house it's similar with a lot of the podcasts i listen to and similar with like the newsletters i subscribe to where it goes beyond the you know the suit and tie journalism and it's about like you have a friend that you trust and like that is something that's very uh, the antithesis of like the declining of trust in in regular media the counterpoint is that like every day like when i write for my day job like my number one thing that I'm always concerned about is that like if I have even a single day where I like totally misrepresent something, misuse data, misquote somebody, even have just a number off, that could literally be my job. And that could be it could be like me being fired the next day. 
and it's a completely so your job if you say stuff that's like you know well let me finish Counter. Okay. yeah and all i'm saying is that like it's a completely different standard and yes i think to what you were going to say is that like there you know within that there's like narratives that can be drawn that are like you know like biased and all the rest but there are on the other side too so i'm not like i guess my point of this is that like i'm hesitant to like throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of like getting rid of like any reason for having like a sort of established press because i know from like my firsthand experience that like the amount of accountability you have for that is infinitely higher than you have for like your own publication unless you are at an established place where it's like you know you are someone who is like has the same viewership as like a new york times or something which a lot of independent places do now like unless you're at that position like it doesn't matter you're not going to be sued you're not going to be held liable you're not going to get fired if you like misrepresent things and you will be like if you're a writer at any of these publications and it, and there's obviously a lot of area between it but there is a huge distinction is all I'm trying to say no well the distinction is that like you know if you misrepresent shit as long as you do it in a way that serves power, you're you're absolutely. That's golden. not true at all, though. That's one thousand percent. No, Jonah. Tomorrow, if I completely get the numbers wrong, like I will say. get fired. Okay, you know well, what I mean? Well, there was that case of the AP journalist who was fired for criti tweeting critical of Israel. She was a Jewish American journalist from the AP who was fired for tweeting. So does that not suggest that there are guardrails on acceptable speech within mainstream media that would free that would in, in, induce people to say, "Hey, this is not the full story." That's all I'm trying to say. No one's no one's quibbling about how you're fucking copy edited at your column. That's clearly pretty small bore compared to like you know what's the consent that's being manufactured. Um, in these larger outlets. I mean, that's like what people are concerned with. And I think saying like, oh, I get edited by an editor, but it's like, who's cutting your checks at the end of the day? And who gets hired and fired at places is all a function of, um, you know, your demonstrated... Uh, that's fair, but like if you're at an, you know, if you're at an independent publication, right, like eventually that shit all comes back as well as soon as you get enough viewership, right? The difference is that like if you are like me writing my newsletter to 300 people like it doesn't matter because there's not enough viewership for it to like for when i make a mistake for right but that also it, it, that's absolutely correct and that's also why it's valuable because it means it doesn't matter if you say shit that would get you railroaded because you've touched a third rail um in acceptable speech you can say that type of stuff and that's why it's also valuable um it goes both ways. I'm yeah, but 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 it goes both ways. But when you when you have this cocktail, which is that like people no longer have trust in the institutions. But why is putting, that? We've established why it is because there's errors made, right? But not when, errors, like conscious. Okay, we've established we've established that that's the case. But my point is okay, that I when just, you take as long as we have, when you take yeah, we have we spent twenty minutes on it. Like when you when you when you take that distrust in the media and then put it onto places that have no accountability, you have the same problem, but even worse is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right? but guess is whose fucking like, fault that is? It's the liars and like 
you know, people who are absolute toadies to power at places like these ivory tower institutions who have corroded people's faith in them for good reason because they've lied about stuff like lying us into a war in Iraq. But that's not a fair reason to like then say that a smaller place that's now an independent publication gets to just have carte blanche to mislead people left and right. No one's saying it's this is like there's no moral judgment here. No one's saying like, oh, you now have you get a green light to do lies. It's like this putting this weird moral framework on it that doesn't exist. Like, I'm just saying they're not being held accountable to the same way that you would put the same scrutiny on the New York Times, right? Like when, but they I, also don't I have read, the reach of the New York Times. I mean, well, but some of them do. Like I, like I, Glenn Greenwald was the reason I got into journalism, right? And I read his publication week in week out, right? And he, I don't know his numbers, but he definitely has more active readers than a lot of mainstream publications do, right? But he routinely misrepresents things and i'm saying this as a so does the his. new york times though I it's know, like if you put a kettle on the fire it will boil it, it's, it's just like, like this is what like, happens it's like, but the new york times is regularly held accountable by people like you people like everyone else who people has people like me yeah to, you're right I, I it's people like me who hold them accountable and that's about it it's i mean it's the it's the in fashion it's an in fashion thing to like critique the new york times but and it has it has a, a meaning they do corrections and like they're having to respond to it like these other smaller independent places have no need to make any sort of changes is what I'm saying. Like their their standard for what they hold. Yeah, but they're also allowed to say things that are absolutely fucking radioactive in these larger institutions that are extremely important and that would never otherwise be said. I mean, do you think the New York Times would have published the fucking collateral murder video that we talked about earlier? It's like you need these places that aren't beholden to they did publish a Snowden shit, a lot of it. My, I think you need both, is what I'm saying, right? You need right. both. That, that's why I'm doing both. You need both, and I think that's fair, right? Because you need someone that's on the outside. You need the outsiders. You need the people who push the boundaries. But I think that person only works so long as you also have, like, the places that you're getting the baseline from, at least first, right? I mean, this is something that, like, the postmodernists talked about, about how like you can only deconstruct an idea once you've already constructed it. And I think it's important that like there it's important to have a vivid and strong and virile like independent press, but it has to exist in tandem with a more mature press, right? I or completely, more- completely disagree with that. But I think we'll have to make this a larger thing because I think we're going to spin our wheels for a long time. So, um, and I do think it's an interesting thing to talk about, um, but maybe we should call it there because we, uh, we are well into the, uh, the wee hours. Um, is that okay with you, Mac? That's fine, yeah. Um, we have more, to, we have more in, our, uh, in our hoppers here that I think we will, we will get into, um, but I think we'll have to wait um, for, for either, either our, our next, next installation, installation or maybe a little, a little special, special bonus, bonus for people who like to hear me and Mac argue about special these. Bobo. Um, so, so with that, that Mac, Mac um, I will uh, um, burn all my documents and uh, <laughs> flee to my next known safe house. 
Please um, do. And before long, I'll be back in the Big Apple, and we can uh, uh, we can finally meet in person and uh, exchange the secret handshake. Yeah, make sure to sure take that. your take your phone out of the microwave. Make sure it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I will take my phone out of the tin foil coated mini fridge. Um, uh, if it's uh, if it hasn't uh, yeah, if it hasn't frozen solid. Um, wish me luck, and I wish you luck, dear listener, as well as you, Mac. Um, and maybe we'll say until next time. What do you, what say? you say? Yeah, sounds good to me. Cool. All right. Ciao. Arrivederci. Stay safe. Bye.